are listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Hello, I am Ben Cocotera and I am here with Garth Reynolds and we are here to bring you the second annual live episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Brought to you by the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan. In this episode, we are going to hear from incoming and outgoing presidents, our outgoing chairman of the board, a P4 rotation student that we have at the office, and Jill Woodward, chairman of IC Penn. So with that, let's get started. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. How are we doing with conference so far? So far, we're doing pretty well. We kicked off last night at the, um, at the IPHA headquarters with the um, IPHA Foundation reception, um, displaying many of our um, artifacts and exhibits for the Illinois Pharmacy Museum. So uh, it's a project that the foundation has been working on for a number of years, collecting artifacts going all the way back to the beginning of the association in 1880. And we're proud to have those on display, per- or more permanent display for our not only the profession, but for our public. And I think that last night's event at the office uh, was pretty unique from years past, from our Thursday night opener. And we've got a lot of good compliments that it went really well. And yeah. I, I think that's something we should continue as much as we can when we're back in Springfield. I agree. And then we started today with our education programming, with our keynote, with a tra- doing a a live training for the Stop the Bleed program, and we're working on our student competitions and patient counseling and business plan um, currently right now, and um, we'll have other education sessions throughout the evening, including our go- our Glow Bingo event at the um, this evening, and then we'll continue tomorrow with our exhibitors, our House of Delegates, and our keynote address on um, law update. And we've got a great slate of exhibitors. Uh, it's going to be a, a great exhibition hall. We've got a lot of people coming in with some neat products, uh, good companies. So if you're here, uh, definitely make sure that you hit the floor and, and walk through and say hi to all the exhibitors. They love to see you, and it's what makes the conference work for us. If you're not here, why aren't you? Right. Uh, you should definitely get down here and come to conference. What, what, uh, what do you think is the biggest highlight? If someone's not at conference, they're going to miss out on this year. I think a lot of what they're going to miss out on is our up-to-date um, CE programs. There are unique programs that we put on each every year that get the pharmacists up-to-date with what's going on in the profession, not only in immunizations, but in other medications and in, in, in clinical programming. But this year, we took a little bit of a, a unique um, approach with trying to add in some business development programs, and we're trialing those out. Now, they're not for CE, and those are going to be on Sunday. So um, if... If you're in the Springfield area on Sunday, we'll be having a special program on the business of CBD oil, and also we'll be having a special presentation by Indy Health um, uh, Part D plan. And, so, and, and I know that Indy Health is getting a lot of uh, talk right now because it's it's the hot button topic of the day, right? Uh, how do we get around the atrocities of PBMs right now? And that is one area that everybody's looking forward to hearing what solutions are coming down the pipeline. Exactly. So we're glad to be able to have both of those programs as part of um, bookending our, our wonderful weekend here in Springfield. So conferences always are highlight event of the year. Um, we love the networking aspect, everybody coming to town, uh, getting together that, that we don't always see each other throughout the year. Um, but, but we had another highlight this year, uh, a, a breakthrough event on our legislative front, and uh, we had our, our first big win in, in a long time, I feel, in House Bill 465. And since we've spoken last, uh, we've had an update, right? Yes, the governor, Governor Pritzker has signed House Bill 465, 
which we're glad the governor um, has supported us as we continue to have support, unanimous, almost unanimous support in the General Assembly on this bill. And this does go into effect on January 1. We'll be talking more extensively with um, about House Bill 465 tomorrow at the law update. And um, we're also very fortunate that both uh, chief sponsors, um, Senator Annie Benar and uh, Majority Leader Greg Harris will be joining us for a short while uh, tomorrow morning. And um, as they will be um, receiving jointly our Honorary President's Award for their dedication and champions of being able to help, get, help us get this PBM bill across the line. Yeah, and if you've been following the podcast series, uh, you know how much effort the association as well as all the uh, independent owners and uh, advocates that we've had across the state that came together to get this bill pushed. Uh, you know how much effort went in. So if you have a chance to come down tomorrow to help thank those two men that, that really helped champion the cause, uh, it'd be a great show of support if, if you could come down. If you're not here, even if you just came for the award ceremony, but if you're here, why not stay? Why not walk the exhibit hall? Why not take a CE? Uh, utilize this conference. It's really a, a, a great piece of uh, knowledge that, that you can gain from from the conference. Uh, there's no reason why you can't come to conference. You know, it's it's really integral. Exactly. And and, w and when we're talking about 465, yes, we're celebrating it this year, but we are nowhere from being done. And we're going to be coming back swinging really hard next year. And we're glad to have the continued support of Leader Harris and Senator Renard as we, as we start to look forward to 2020. And we'll be talking a lot more about that tomorrow. Great. Um, I know everybody's excited to know what's coming down for our next legislative session. Way too early for us to talk about what's going to happen, what a bill is going to be presented, if any. Um, there's, there's just not enough info yet, but I can tell you we're going to come out slugging next year um, in the next session. We've got all the momentum on our side. Uh, we've got the support of, of the legislators uh, finally, uh, after years of hard work. We've finally got the right atmosphere, the right environment to really set the tide for years to come. So uh, you can count on us to come out swinging, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, what, what other things are we looking forward to legislative-wise other than PBM bills? Well, next year, um, and actually a little bit in the veto session here in the coming weeks at the end of this month, we um, have to look at renewing the Pharmacy Practice Act, at least for a short bit, um, just so that we can um, work really diligently next year um, on some of the recommendations from the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force, which we've talked about a little bit or spoken about a little bit on um, this podcast, and we'll be going into more tomorrow at the keynote. And then also just looking at what we need to do to work and massage our practice act to allow pharmacists to have full scope of practice authority and we really want to make sure that pharmacists are able to practice the way they have been trained to and right now our practice act kind of holds our hand a little bit behind our back and we just got to take those barriers off illinois has always been on the forefront of uh, innovative practice uh, we've always been known for the state that brings forth, uh, you know, um, um, ISMP, uh, for instance, has always set the tone for other states to come follow, other associations to follow what, what we have done. And this, the Pharmacy Practice Act is the mechanism that allows us to do projects like that. So 
uh, it's really important that we put our focus into making sure the Practice Act is rock solid when we get around to doing this. We've got to make sure that we have doors open for us to not handcuff ourselves from being able to do the next innovative thing that we haven't thought about yet. Because uh, let's face it, um, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't know that we'd be doing um, long-acting antipsychotic injectables in the pharmacy. So uh, we need to make sure that when we write the next iteration, we are forward-thinking enough to leave those doors open and allow us to practice at the top of our profession. And I'll use one great example, and that was back from when we were doing the last major overhaul of the Practice Act, which was in 2007, and that was telepharmacy. Telepharmacy was only pilot projects at that time. Every person that wanted to do it had to go get a variance from the Board of Pharmacy. We carved out a whole radical way of looking at telepharmacy, which is still the national standard today. Many states are still trying to catch up with what we did in telepharmacy in 2007. And we have many pharmacy practices that have taken telepharmacy, have really challenged the idea of what telepharmacy can be for the better, and have been very innovative with it. Anything else you see on the forefront of our legislative session coming up or things that we're going to focus on? Well, besides PBMs and Practice Act, that's going to be two major I, lifts right I there. I think that's so. enough, right? Um, that's, that's really where our focus needs to be. Um, speaking of, of uh, the PBM bill, you know, one of the things that we were able to accomplish is getting a line item budget or a line item in the budget, rather, for the CAP funds, uh, mm -hmm. critical access pharmacy funds, and, and getting a $10 million line item to help some of those pharmacies that are struggling from the uh, MCOs uh, not getting paid enough, that budget item is helping bolster those lack of payments. So one thing that has just happened recently, just uh, what, last week? Uh, actually, this week, right? Uh, mm -hmm. This week, they opened up the, the new CAP fund attestation for this quarter. And we need to make sure that all of our members, all the listeners across the state of Illinois that have a pharmacy know that they need to get on the CAP funds. Right. They need to attest. They need right. to log on. If you have any issues with the Medi system, which you have to use the Medi system to attest, if you have any issues, Call Garth, call me, call the office, we'll get you set up. Um, Illinois Medicaid page, the Medi page, has help information. They've got people that can help you get your computers right so that you can get on. But there's no reason not to attest. It's, it's money waiting. It's, it's right, right there. And because we, we've had a number of pharmacies that have found out a little bit, unfortunately, a little bit after the fact that they could have qualified. The worst that Medicaid can tell you is you don't qualify. But if you do qualify and you don't attest... As Ben said, you're leaving what's owed back to you on the table. So if, you're, if your pharmacy is in um, a county of 50,000 residents or less, you need to be attesting. If you have 10 or less locations, you need to be attesting. If you, your pharmacy is in a county of 50,000 or more, your, your pharmacy needs to be in one of the medically underserved areas in the state. And those, there, there are a plentiful amount of those medically underserved areas. 87 of our 102 counties are considered medically underserved. And that doesn't cover the entire county, but significant portions of all the counties, specifically up in our metro areas. So if you're in Cook County and DuPage, Will, you are able to qualify for the CAP funds. So don't think that just because you're in a metro area, you don't qualify. You do. And again, Test, qualify on there, attest. Again, the worst that HFS can say no. But if 
if you don't attest, you're you're just leaving the, what is owed to you on the table, and that is. I, I can't understand why anyone would want to do that. Well, not only are you leaving what money is left for you on the table, but you're sending a message to HFS that you don't want the money. Right. If you haven't attested, you are actually telling HFS, hey, I know there's money there, but you can have it. I don't want it. And if we keep doing that, and if pharmacies keep not attesting, then we're going to send a clear sh uh, shout-out message to HFS saying, hey, let's not do this again. We don't need that help. And that's the last thing that we need right now. When we've finally gotten that win, we don't want to give it back. Right, exactly, because we don't want to make it. it we don't want to make it to be a challenging conversation come fiscal year twenty one when we're trying to ask for a third renewal of the program. So, House Bill four sixty five cap funds all of the success that we've had in the past year from our legislative efforts have all come from uh, the advocacy. Uh, the group advocacy that has been put forth this past year. And one thing that we have asked in every podcast episode since its inception is that we need advocacy funds. It's, it's not free. It's not cheap. It takes money. It takes effort. And those funds, uh, you know, there's pharmacies across the state that are getting the support of all of these efforts. Um, we just ask that you pony up and, and pay your fair share. I mean, the cap fund money is right there because of these efforts. So you're getting money on behalf of the efforts that have put forth for you on your behalf. So um, we, we, we've got to have some help. We've got to have those funds replenished. Uh, we've got real people to pay, real um, organizations that are operating because of these efforts. And, and we need money, right? Yes. Unfortunately, advocacy and politics cost money. And I know a lot of people that's a little bit of a, you know, it doesn't set well, but it's the truth. And for us to be able to continue to do what we're doing at the level and what we can even do even more, we need your assistance and we need your help. So the next big thing, um, along with our next push for the next bill coming up in the next session, is going to be Ledge Day 2020. Mm -hmm. And Ledge Day 2020 is, I'm sure, going to focus on a few bills, but the main focus is going to be our PBM push. So just mark your calendar now. What, what is it, Garth? April 22nd. We're a, we're a lot later than we normally are, and that's because um, next year is a primary year because of the presidential election. And um, so Illinois primary is pushed up just a little bit. And with that, the General Assembly is going to be out of town when we would normally have our legislative day. So we're going to have to, be, we're going to, have to go later. But it kind of puts us into a good spot because we'll be coming in on legislative day the week before the final readings for third reading bills. So it's going to be the heat of that session. So normally we're in the heat of committees. This is going to be the heat of third readings. So we're all going to be we're going to have our bills in the final steps, hopefully out of one chamber at that point. And so we're, it'll be very important to have as many pharmacists, student pharmacists, and technicians with us. And I've got to be honest, we've had pretty poor turnout from pharmacists across the state for our ledge day. And now more than ever, it's important that we have the numbers show up. We've got to flood the Capitol with white coats. We've got to get pharmacists in the office of the legislators speaking your story, telling what's going on complain to them. You, I know that you complain at home about 
your pharmacy business when you go home, right? This is where it needs to happen. You need to come to the Capitol, you need to go into your legislator's office, and you need to tell them what's going on. Because if you don't make that effort, you don't have any business complaining. That's where it needs to happen. So make the trip, uh, come to the Capitol, wear your white coat, bring a technician, you know, let them tell the story too. Tell your patients, write a letter, call your legislator. The patients, you know, they're constituents, and those are the ones that are going to make the difference. So we've got to get everybody on board here. And as we've been saying for a year now, we've got to get loud. Right. What else are we going to talk about here? You want to talk about the task force? Well, I think um, before we hit the task force, um, just because of timing, let's go ahead and go to Jill, and then we'll come back to the task force. Okay. So at this point, we're going to bring up our first interviewee. So we've got Jill Woodward, uh, chairman of ICPEN, and just pony up right close to that microphone, yeah. if you don't mind, and uh, tell us about ICPEN. What is ICPEN for those listeners that haven't been paying attention recently? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, ICPEN is the Illinois affiliation with CPSN, which is the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Service Network. So that's the USA. The ICPEN is just the Illinois um, organization mm -hmm. involved with it. Well, Jill, we've had some real um, great news for ICPEN um, in the last month. Uh, we found out that we were um, awarded one of, uh, I believe, 22 uh uh, yes. Gifts for the Flip the Pharmacy program. Mm -hmm. Could you uh, tell us a little bit what, about what Flip the Pharmacy is? So Flip the Pharmacy is a five-year partnership between Community Pharmacy Foundation and CPSN USA. Uh, they are basically giving up. They, they found some funds to help community pharmacies change over into a caring for your your patients, not just filling their prescriptions pharmacies. So it's a five-year program, but the first the first process is a two-year flip where we'll go through and try to make all these community pharmacies change into caring for their patients and by showing and being able to show everybody else how important pharmacies are in the role of the overall patient care. So do through e-care plans um, and being just being able to be a part of the whole healthcare system. Right, and we were able to um, um, present a proposal for a unique project where we're going to be looking at um, replication of an established e-care plan process. Uh, we're very fortunate enough with some of the advancements through University of Illinois um, UI Health, their community pharmacies, that they have established some policies and, and procedures in there. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take those and, and we're going to be working with pharmacies throughout the state. And um, and I believe, Jill, your store is going to be one of those. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and can you kind of tell us a little bit about where we want to go with the next steps? From, from this part of the Flip the Pharmacy? Well, I mean, the goal would be to finally being, get, being paid for what we're already doing for our patients. Mm -hmm. So by showing everybody else, with all the PBMs, all the insurance companies, that we're the ones that are there and helping the patient every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and so the goal of it would be to show them and finally get paid for it. 
Right, and and I think there's going to be some unique opportunities with Flip the Pharmacy as we go forward, not only just for Illinois, because, you know, again, we're going to be replicating what's been already established and doing that throughout the state with these 10 pilot pharmacies. And we're very fortunate to have some very innovative pharmacies throughout the state that are going to be participating with us. But what's also great for us regionally is most of our border states also were awarded Flip the Pharmacy Mm -hmm. um, awards. And so that gives us some unique opportunities to look as we go further after the first two years of hopefully doing more of some regional projects and seeing if that may lead to other employment opportunities for contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say for a pharmacy that has been thinking about joining either ICPIN or even CPN, CPSN USA, but they're still quite hesitant? What would you say about, what would you say to those pharmacies? I would tell them that now's the time to get involved. This is a great opportunity with Flip the Pharmacy because even if it's not, if even if you're not one of the 10 pilot stores, every pharmacy that's part of CPSN will be able to see what's happening and they can choose to go along with it um, or just follow it and see how it goes. So then they already have the background of how to move forward once we're done with the two years. So there's great information out there. CPSN is great with getting um, contracts and helping pharmacies get through this process. So I think now's the time to get in. And, and I, I completely agree with that because w- one of the things in addition to UI Health and our, and our 10 community pharmacies that are going to be helping us, we've also have one of our longstanding partners in Advancement of Pharmacy, the Midwest Business Group on Health, which has also joined us on the Flip the Pharmacy program, is going to be helping use our existing partnership of ways of being able to advertise the successes of this program to some of their employer clients, which hopefully could lead us to some additional opportunities. Mm So we're very glad that MBGH quickly signed on. Mm -hmm. I I barely get through presenting it, and they were already saying yes. They wanted to be a part of this. So it was really great to have that continued partnership. Mm And Jill, I want to thank you for your leadership as not only being chair of ICPIM, but being our head luminary and um, main liaison to um, CPSN USA. And um, I know we've got a lot of CPESN events coming up at NCPA annual. Mm -hmm. And um, so if any of our listeners are going to uh, NCPA in San Diego at the end of the month, please let... Um, Jill or myself know, and we'd be glad to introduce you to some of the CPSN USA individuals that are there mm-hmm. and, um, and possibly take you along to some of the events as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, very true. They'll have great information out there and showing very good success stories mm-hmm. of other um, CPSN sites that are, are already have contracts. Is there anything else that you want to add as a plug for ICPIN? Join. All right. Short and sweet. That sounds great. Thank you very much, Jill. Yes, thank you very much. And with that, I think it's about time that we take a a short intermission. Is it not? Sounds good to me. feel good about that? So uh, we're going to take a short intermission, hear from our sponsors, and uh, we're going to come back on the other side and have some more uh, interviews with some of our presidents, incoming, outgoing, uh, chairman of the board who's leaving, and we're going to have a rotation student in the office come tell us about how that experience has been. So uh, hang on. We'll be right back. 
brought to you by the law office of Joseph J. Bogdan. J, as he goes by, is a pharmacist and an attorney. He received his PharmD from the University of Illinois College of Pharmacy. Jay was a former chief pharmacy prosecutor with the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation and has been in his current practice for the past 20 years. Jay is an active member with the Illinois Pharmacists Association and currently serves as a regional delegate in the House and a regional director on the board of directors. In his legal practice, Jay represents pharmacy technicians, pharmacists, and pharmacies to their state board of pharmacy, the Drug Enforcement Administration, PBMs, and insurance companies. So if you're a pharmacy technician, pharmacist, or pharmacy owner who has been contacted by or accused of a legal violation by the State Board of Pharmacy, Drug Enforcement Administration, or any other agency, contact Jay at 630-310-1267. If your pharmacy is undergoing an audit by a PBM, insurance company, Medicare, or Medicaid, contact Jay. If you have any legal questions, contact Jay. You can call a lawyer, or you can call a lawyer who knows pharmacy, because he is one of you. You can find more information about the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan on their website, www.jjblawoffice.com, or call 630-310-1267. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I want to let you know just how important it is to hold a membership in the Illinois Pharmacists Association. The Illinois Pharmacists Association stands up for all pharmacists across the state, from community to health system, academia to long-term care. Your membership will strengthen the efforts of the entire association. Consider joining today to gain valuable insights and updates about news and events affecting the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. To gain educational opportunities such as CPEs and certificate training programs, or to help advocate to protect the abilities of pharmacists to practice in the best way they possibly can. Stand up for your profession, stand up for your state, and stand up for your patients. Join today. Call the office today or log on to IP you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacists. Okay, and welcome back from that short break. Uh, heard from our sponsor. We really want to thank uh, the office, law office of Joseph J. Bogdan for sponsoring this show and uh, his, his nice ad. Uh, hopefully we can get him a little business for that. Uh, we're here now with Jessica Kerr outgoing chairman of the board. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, let's uh, right up mic? to the mic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid. So how's your <laughs> conference been? It's been great so far. It's been a lot of um, planning and um, backside that IPHA has done, but so far what we've had looks great in the morning and afternoon, and we've got a full day tomorrow and some planning on Sunday for everyone to hang around to the midday. Yeah. So you're outgoing chairman of the board. Yes. How has your year been? The year has been very, very good. Um, <laughs> we've had a lot of um, interactions with legislators and members trying to get a lot of um, members and non-members to figure out what is the best way for pharmacy to move forward so everyone is successful. Um, legislators, you know, Garth and a lot of the other um, lobbyists have been able to come together with some um, legislation that's moving forward with a lot of the PBM and then of course we have our board that works hard um, trying to just do the day in and day outs of some of the section chairs that we have and so it's been quite full to say the least. Would you say that you've had any differences from your presidency to your chairman? Yes, um, you probably feel a little bit more guilty as a chairman because you know that you're not as actively involved, um, but what you're really doing is just sitting back and giving the 
advice when they need it or want it because it is um, their vision at that point as president or even uh, as president-elect. Um, what we've been able to do over a lot of the last several years is to kind of really involve the president-elect in with the president just to make sure that there is some good years of um, continuation of plans that are in place. So. so speaking of the president-elect, who will be installed Saturday night at the president's banquet, for those who aren't here yet, mm -hmm. come down. It'll be a great time. What advice do you have for Bo? Um, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is to make sure to try to get the membership involved. Um, you know, a lot of times we always have our wheelhouse of people that we may end up going with um, because we know that they've been able to deliver something in the past and we've, we've seen that. But we also know there's a lot of talent in the organization that may not know where their talent actually lies until someone comes to them to step forward with it. So listen to the members, find out what they're wanting or needing at that point, and then see with the board how you can move forward to have that happen. But also kind of realize that change takes a while to occur and so you can set these goals for what you might have but you need to have them to be realistic so you yourself aren't disappointed or others might not be disappointed you know with you uh, but just being more realistic because it's not always going to be something that's done in one year's time so you've had a busy three years mm -hmm. president-elect president chairman of the board now you have a year off the handcuffs come <laughs> off you're free for a year <laughs> How, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to have some withdrawals? Are you going to be okay? I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's, it's funny because the minute that after that board meeting was, uh, we joked about having the time off and then on the way home, as I'm pulling in the driveway, I did tell Kim, I was like, no, seriously, if you need me, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> so it will back off a little bit. Um, but I still, whenever anyone has a question or wants to hear a different side of an, a, you know, a story or a way to kind of do certain things, I'd be happy to give it. Um, I've been with the organization since 2007 and on the board since 2009 or 10. So that's basically me changing a whole way of life. So um, whenever anyone needs help, I'll always be able to, to kind of help them with it. But there's other things that we can all do. So still be a part of IPHA for sure, though. Well, good. We'd hate to not hear that out of your <laughs> mouth of, of all people. Yeah. Um, what's your final outgoing message? Do you have something that you want to say, whether it be to the board, to the membership, something you want to, to leave with? Hmm. Um, now I'm at a loss for words, which that doesn't happen too often either. But I would probably say, I mean, the biggest thing is, is a lot of people want to see certain things um, go in directions that they deem are important. Um, which everybody is important in the organization. And so a way to truly be that voice for pharmacy, which is what our motto is, we need more members. And so I don't really think that that has to start with someone who has been seasoned or has had a certain problem with the business model or a certain problem with the clinic model. Um, I honestly think that that starts with students. And so I would like to see the universities, the schools, um, take an active modeling role for our students so they can see and view that it's important, but also to make sure that those newer graduates really understand that we get that you want to take five years off. We get it. You've got student loans. You've kind of got this whole new life. Um, but when you're ready to come back, the organization is here for you. 
Um, so I think kind of nurturing some of those newer practitioners, which our newer practitioner um, committee has been pretty active over the last two to three years. We've had new initiatives with membership that takes time to kind of build in. But I think sometimes members are, whether they're newer from graduation or have been out for a while, they tend to think, well, it's too late for me to join. And that's not necessarily the case. I would totally agree with that. That one, you're, you hit the nail on the head. Membership is key. That's the only way that we can survive and the only way that we can grow. And for all of the, the success that we've had over the past year and the past years, it, it needs to continue on that path and continue to grow. And we do that with membership. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, Jess. I you're really welcome. appreciate that. And we really appreciate the years of service that you've given us. Thank you. And hope that you can get through that withdrawal period. I know yeah, for me it was tough. <laughs> Look at me. I'm still here. So um, thank you for everything. No problem. Thank you, Jess. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to our next interviewee. Um, we have a rotation student in the office currently, uh, P4. Her name is Jasmine Satelli. Correct? Satello. Got that one wrong. Jasmine <laughs> Satello. Jasmine, hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So uh, tell us a bit about your journey. How did you end up at pharmacy as your, your school? Well, I think my journey is a little bit different than most people. So my journey started in my teen years. Um, my dog had a bit of arthritis, some joint pain, some hip pain. So I took him to the vet initially to get some medications. And I'm from California. In California, took him to the vet. The vet handed me some pills and I gave it to him. No idea what I was giving him. No instructions except give him one a day. Um, about a couple weeks later, he had more difficulty standing up. So I took him back to the vet. And he just gave me some more pills. Again, said give it to him. I went home. I gave it to my dog. And within a couple hours, he was extremely lethargic. He was not doing well. He couldn't get up. I just did a quick Google search in my teen years to see what this is. And the first thing that came up was, do not give these two medications together. So I had a very rough night with my poor dog. <laughs> I was staying by his side with a little dropper, giving him water. So that was the first thing that piqued my interest into pharmacy and specifically med safety, because that is a key intervention that a pharmacist could have made and a key utilization of our talents that was never even done for me in my teenage years. Wow. So Luckily, that, my poor dog survived. Yeah. <laughs> he survive, so. Well, that's good. That's good. And that's, that's quite a story um, mm -hmm. to set that base and that groundwork for uh, keeping your passion alive. Uh, you can always fall back on that. So, so you decided that pharmacy was right for you. Yeah. What was your next step? Where, where are you going to school? Uh, I'm going to school at UIC, College of Pharmacy, so up in Chicago. Okay. And you're a P4. That I am. So in your P4 year, during your rotations, you've chosen IPHA as one of your sites. I have. What made you think IPHA was a site that you wanted to take? Well, the reason why I chose that site is actually from Ledge Day of last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, kind of a last minute sign up <laughs> to Ledge Day. I knew it was something I wanted to maybe try to see what it is. I've always kind of been interested in policy. Um, at UIC, I serve on the Education Policy Committee. I'm a student faculty representative. So I thought, okay, this is something I could do on a bigger scale. And um, actually, my group leader was Starlin. <laughs> and seeing her in action really inspired me. And she told me, you know, I have a rotation, and our rotations had already been picked. So I went back to school the next day. I went to our APP coordinator, and I was like, I had an amazing day at Ledge Day. I think this is something I want to explore. Can I please change my rotation? And that's why I'm here. <laughs> Starlin tends to do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> she that has she that does. effect. Um, yeah, for sure. Starlin can, can change the course of people very quickly. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so you're, you're in your P4 year. Has pharmacy school been what you expected it to be? Is it, is it what you had envisioned before you ever showed up on the doorstep? Definitely not. <laughs> I didn't realize how many incredible roles that we can fill as pharmacists and how we can really give back to the community and change the profession. Um, going into it, I knew there was a hospital pharmacist and a community pharmacist, and that's about it. So UIC has really given me a wonderful background and exposure to seeing all the different roles pharmacy can fill. So, so of all those roles, what's your next step? What role do you want to fulfill after you graduate? Well, P4 year has been quite a whirlwind of me trying to figure out what I want to do. So my first rotation was an admin in med safety in specific. So I thought, that's what I'm doing. That's why I came into pharmacy school. This is what I want to do. Then I had a rotation oncology, hemonc to be specific. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And it's a lot of policy work, too. So creating um, new regimens for patients and bone marrow transplant, doing the forefront. We're doing it in MS patients now, which is just amazing. So now that's taken a bit of a turn for me. So we'll see what the future holds at the moment. But those are my two lines that I have to pick. <laughs> and in speaking with you the other day, uh, I could tell that the hemonc and the oncology is really a passion of yours. So I'm sure that you're going to use that along with the story of your, your puppy uh, and, and use that to really grow your desire to be a pharmacist for years to come. So, so congrats on that and congrats on school. Uh, keep up the good work and we look forward to seeing what you uh, end up doing uh, as a pharmacy rock star down the road. <laughs> thank you so much and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jasmine. With that, we need to uh, get a few of our interviewees who are supposed to be here on the mic, and I don't see them currently. I don't either. <laughs> so uh, we might take a small little break to uh, get them in here real fast. Uh, won't be more than just a minute or two. Um, yeah, if you could just hit the intermission button there. We'll uh, be right back in just a few minutes. here and we have the pleasure of speaking with Laura Lakari, the outgoing president. Hi, Hi everyone. Laura. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for being here. How's, how's your conference going so far? Excellent. Oktoberfest was a really fun time at the IPHA headquarters. Great food, good drinks, good camaraderie. It was excellent. Good fundraising. Very good fundraising. We did a good job in a short period of time. Yeah, I think so. Um, What's, what's your uh, highlight of the conference going to be? Do you have one? President's Banquet already. I've been looking forward to it for a year. <laughs> when I could say thank you for my term of service and pass it on to my good friend, Bo, which is really exciting, really yeah, special. That's going to be a, a highlight for sure. Um, let's just get right into some questions. Why did you decide to run for the presidency? Of IPHA. I love telling this story, so thank you for asking. Absolutely. Um, well, I was asked to be on the board of directors by a mentor, Sue Cornell at Midwestern University. I said yes, and then I said, what's a board of directors? <laughs> and I didn't want to let her down, so I just said yes, and found out, didn't 
volunteer organization, right? You are in charge of what you think is important and you have a set of bylaws that govern your actions, but you can make the association what you want it to be. This is truly a family for me. I mean, last night I looked around at the Oktoberfest and I just thought, I have never been more happy than I am when I'm with all these people. So that was, that was just wonderful. So as time has progressed and I've become, you know, worked my way from region one director to vice president to president elect, um, the choice to become president elect truly was eight years of being a part of this organization, seeing how important the work that we do is to promote the profession of pharmacy, develop it. Let's innovate. What kind of practice changes can we make? What advocacy changes can we make? And that left almost no choice to even become president. I just, I, that was the next step for me. It was an honor and a privilege for me to serve in, in this role, truly. So I don't, I don't really have a great answer because it just felt like the next step and I, I wanted to do it. It was the next step in the progression Absolutely. of your IPHA career, which you have made a career out truly, of it. Truly, truly. Yeah. If the listeners could see my list of my uh, length of ribbons on my name well, badge here. The camera yeah, there's yep. a, there's a <laughs> camera over there. I think it fits in the camera completely. So I've gotten a couple comments, and then I thought, you know, it's one ribbon for, for the nine years that I've been on the board. So th that is a great in summation the natural progression for my commitment to IPHA. There you go. What's been your best memory of the past year of your presidency? It, I don't even really have to think about it. It was the NCPA national fly-in in April. I represented Illinois, so National Community Pharmacists Association. They had their national federal level advocacy day and just happened to be timing where I was the only representative from Illinois. I met so many wonderful people. Alex Azar, the Health and Human Services Secretary was there. He spoke directly to us. He understands DIR fees. He understood rebates, emphasized how important to keep community pharmacy going. And I just felt like he was talking to me and he was like, stay, stay with it, kiddo. And went and met my representatives met Illinois representatives and then the final day had my picture taken with Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin and I thought well I'm all set I've hit my peak and this is this is it from here so that was definitely that was a life-changing experience to do a actual federal level advocacy day for pharmacy must have been amazing it was wonderful I can't believe I have not framed that picture yet <laughs> Christmas is coming up if anyone would like to get me a present. I see my boss over here, so I'm going to say, oh, it's what I would like for Christmas. Thank you. So it's been a jam-packed year. Uh, a lot has happened. Um, we've had a lot of advances, a lot of progress, a lot of wins along the way. Is there anything you feel is left unfinished from your presidency? Maybe a charge for Bo coming in to take over and finish. Is there anything that you feel that needs to keep moving? We have to keep moving. I have two things. Is that okay? Absolutely. Excellent. Fill up the space. <laughs> Legislatively, I want to pass oral contraceptive prescribing for pharmacists. We got injectable for, uh, dispensing 
and administration of long-acting injectable antipsychotics. I feel like oral contraceptive prescribing, especially with the declaration of our governor that Illinois is going to be a safe haven for women's rights, that is directly in line with our state-level message. I know we've had some hurdles on getting that passed. I really was hoping to get that passed my presidential year. Um, Representative Musman, maybe she's a listener. Um, she is the representative for the district that my employer is in. I'm actually going to do an opioid talk for her constituents in a few weeks, so hoping to kind of revive mm -hmm. that initiative. That would be really wonderful uh, if we could get that passed while I was chairman of the board. Most importantly, IPHA membership. We've done actually a great job over the last few years of keeping our members, gaining a few more members, right, in a time where you can just use the internet to get all your information for free. I think we've revived how important IPHA membership is in a time where people are looking for jobs, reimbursement is down, people making an investment in the future of our profession. So I really would like to continue to see our numbers creep up a little bit more, jump up a little bit more. Should I, should I aim so high? Sure. I think we can get there. I think so. And don't fret because those unfinished goals sometimes take time. I had a platform my presidency year of PBM reform. It only took us two and a half years later to get there. But, hey, it works. And in legislative terms, that's a blink of an eye. <laughs> so we did, a, we did a good job. I'm happy to bring that I brought that home for you. Yes. There Thank we you. go. Thank you for You're welcome. Job. <laughs> Take a little credit over here. It was, it was all me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, all you. Um, the incoming president that we've just been speaking about leaving the unfinished business to and piling it on his plate, <laughs> what advice do you have for Bo, our incoming president? I met Bo 10 years ago at an IPHA conference, and I remember thinking, how can someone who lives four hours away from me feel the same exact way about pharmacy when he's an independent owner and I'm a community pharmacist, both just out of school? I, I would, thought I had met some distant relative. I mean, how is that possible? I, could, I really could not be happier that um, I am passing the gavel to Bo this weekend. I, I hope that... I hope that it's hard to get to stay at the at a high level at a twenty thousand foot big picture. And I think I started to get into the weeds with a couple of things. Where you worry a lot about the progression of the association, and I I really hope for him that he has such a vision of how he thinks pharmacy should be practiced. And I agree with that vision, and it's right in line with IPHA, um, our mission and vision, and. I hope for him that he feels supported by not only myself, but the board of directors and his membership. Very good advice. Mm -hmm. Very good. And um, I think that he will feel that because I feel the board does support that in him and has for presidents before and presidents to come. So I think we have a really good cohesive board that, that will give that feeling. I think... Going back to that's part of the reason it wasn't even a decision to run for president-elect. It was just I felt so supportive and encouraged that that was, that was it. Sold awesome. for me. Yep. Any parting words for the membership, for the conference, for those in the room? We're taking Farm Talk advertisers. Come on over. <laughs> I really hope that 
attendees at this conference, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. You already see the importance of professional advocacy. You understand the import, the part of being something more than your employer working at your pharmacy. I would ask everybody to go out and try to get one person to join IPHA. Share the message. Explain the long-term impact that they can have. It's an investment in their future. And if we could get... Um, even 25 people to recruit another member, that would be a huge impact for us. So it sounds uh, it sounds easy enough. So I think I'm definitely going to say, yeah, everybody just bring in one IPHA member. Sounds great. I'll take, I'll, I would love to also increase our pharmacy technician numbers as well. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take some um, employers and some picks to really help to motivate that as well. So I'll, I'll tack that on as, as part A increase pharmacy technician membership as well. We'll take it. Okay, I like we'll it. We'll take it. All right. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, guys. Great job. Thank you. That was Laura Lacari, outgoing president, and I guess we can throw in their incoming chairman of the board. So she'll get to play with the gavel coming up. Uh, our next interviewee, we're going to bring up a surprise interviewee that's maybe not paying attention right now. I'm putting out a fire right now. Okay, so. that'll work. Yeah. So we've got Cody Sandusky. Cody, to the podium, if you will. Don't get too excited here all at once. <laughs> Cody is a foundation board member. Was. Was. Board of Directors. Board of Directors member before he became, drum roll please, President-elect. President so we've got a, a, if you've noticed, we've got a little chain of presidencies going on here. So Cody, welcome to the mic. Thank you. I, uh, this is a pleasant surprise here, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Surprised us too. <laughs> yeah. How's your conference going? So far, so good. We had a really good networking session last night. I feel like we uh, had some good connections, maybe got some business taken care of after things were done. So very good. Just while you're here, and because of your past association with the foundation, mm -hmm. what what was the purpose of last night? What what did we get out of last night? So last night was good. It was Oktoberfest. Uh, you know, a little social fundraiser of sorts. It wasn't even, I think, intended necessarily to be a fundraiser, but just to get people out and together, which was nice. That was probably in the 10 years I've been coming to these, uh, the best attended I've seen on a Thursday night. And it was a success for the foundation. Um, within about 15 minutes, we raised $4,500 for uh, $2,000 for the Sister Margaret Fund, and then auctioned off another item uh, for other foundation projects, so very successful. Yes, I think the Pharmacy Museum is going to uh, come out good. very, very well from that night. Yes, well, I and agree. that's one thing I'll add in here real quick, and think all those that were in attendance last night, we were able to not only uh, fully fund and support the new items that we were asking for support, but we were also to raise additional funds last night to add additional cases to the Illinois Pharmacy Museum, so we really want to thank everyone that was a part of that. So, Cody, president-elect, mm -hmm. we've spoken to presidents that have come before you, mm -hmm. and they have been giving advice to the incoming president, which I hope you will uh, take take to heart sure. and, and keep that in mind. But what, what made you run for president-elect? What, what was that fire inside you that said you needed to do this? Well, 
first and foremost, it was Bo sending me a text message saying we need a president-elect. So, uh, and I think I was the only one foolish enough to take him up on his offer. But um, you know, since I joined this association, uh, I realized the importance of getting involved. I've seen this profession evolve very rapidly in the last ten years or so. Um, and as far as the leadership position, you know, we all have our ideas of things that we want to accomplish, things that need to be done or addressed. We all have different priorities. And uh, I don't know, sometimes I'm bossy like that. So I guess this is my way of getting some things done. Okay. Um, in years past, we have asked uh, people who are running for positions mm -hmm. uh, in the questionnaire, we've asked, where do you see pharmacy going in five years? Mm -hmm. And this, I think, is apt to you sitting in this chair at this point, because you're going to be a three-year, right. right, president-elect, right. president, chairman of the board. Right. So you've got some some time ahead of you. Mm -hmm. What what do you see for that long-term outlook of where we're headed? I see two different directions that we could be going in. Uh, as quickly as the profession's changing, we could either make a very positive impact or this profession could continue snowballing in a lot of bad ways. So um, I think that the urgency to get involved and decide which of those roads we're going to go down, that might be one of the things that motivates me as well. So whether or not uh, we increase membership, get some legislative things accomplished, which needs to be done um, without that, then the other option is watching uh, corporations and things like that start to dictate us more and more. So I'd like to see us take a positive approach to things. Well, I definitely like to see us survive, right? And uh, that that is obviously outweighing the other options. So mm -hmm. I, I think that our profession is resilient enough that we're going to come together and fight for our future. Mm -hmm. Just hope it's sooner rather than later, right? Um, so so you've got you've got three years mm -hmm. to focus um, on a platform mm -hmm. and and accomplish your your desires mm -hmm. for the association, which will be the become the desires of the profession for mm -hmm. the state. Um, what else do you want to get out of the, let's just say, the association itself, not, sure. not the professional pharmacy, but sure. what impact do you want to make on the association? So, obviously, membership is a big driving factor. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, the importance of getting students involved, I can't stress that enough because that's how I became involved. Um, if it wasn't for people like Jessica and you and Garth and Starlin, uh, you know, basically, saying here's something to do and roll with it. Um, I think that's good. You learn a lot doing that. And starting early on, it's like anything else. The sooner you start, the more involved you're going to become and stay. And eventually, you're like me and you can't leave. So um, that's one thing that I really want to see happen. Um, that's all I've got to say about that. Okay. And uh, for those that don't know, Cody just recently accepted a change um, in his professional workplace. So he's going from independent to hospital, which is quite a jump, isn't it? It's a big jump. Yeah. It was a, a leap, and hopefully I'm uh, not going to fall whenever I finally touch down somewhere. So, um, yeah, I switched three weeks ago, I guess, is when I left, and I've, for the most part, been involved with uh, community pharmacy management and some sorts. I've done some hospital moonlighting from time to time just to kind of keep my feet in the door. Um, but yeah, it's a big change. I like it, though. It's a different side of things. Well, I bring it up because it's an interesting position for you to have experience on both sides right. of that aisle. 
uh, coming in to become the president, right. um, knowing both mm -hmm. sides. Because mm -hmm. usually, um, I would say the vast majority of people that come through that position mm -hmm. are, are kind of stuck in their silo sure. a, a little bit too much, sure. where they know what they know, right. but there's a whole world out there. Right. And it's tough being the voice of pharmacy in Illinois Without actually. when you're stuck in a smaller silo right. than all those others. So I, I congratulate you on Thank your you. new position. Thank you. Congratulate you on president-elect and look forward to seeing what the uh, next three years has to bring. I am very excited about the next three years. I think yeah. it's going to be a good good time. I think some good things are ahead for us. So. I think it will. Thank you, Cody. Thank, Thank you. you for joining Thanks. us. All right. Thank you, guys. So with that, we've gone through the interviews that we have. And I think, unless, Garth, you have any... Um, pressing things. I think we can get right into some some questions, right? Sure. Yeah, let's let's open the mic up. If anybody has some questions, feel free to walk on up, ask a question. Maybe we might have an answer for you. Maybe we won't, but we can sure try. Don't feel shy. Uh, let's get some content in here. Let's change things up. Anybody have a question at all? Anybody? Come on Aaron, up. Come on. Up. Have a have a seat up here. <laughs> Take the mic. Let us hear what you have to say. Um, most of the time, I don't need a mic. Um, I usually speak fairly loudly. Um, I'm just interested in the um, legislative agenda for next year. Uh, exactly where are we going with that? What kind of topics are we um, trying to um, control in the PBM market? So, Well, specifically the PBM market, we're, we're going to be looking at trying to um, look at a lot of the main... Um, majority a lot of the items that we did not address last year so audits is definitely going to be on there specifically retaliatory aspects of audits looking at the abuse of fees not not only looking at possible state level of dir but also look at a lot of the abuses and the transactional fees and a lot of the unnecessary fees and in the ways the mechanisms that the pbms just fee us to death and ways of trying to roll that back um and you know, just, just continuing to look at ways that we can tighten down some of the methodology and reimbursement and improving where we were able to establish initially with MAC and, and just continue to tightening that up and also looking at these steering practices that are going on right now and trying to eliminate that as well. And specifically, one of the things getting back on reimbursement is we've just got to put draw the line in the sand with concrete and say spread pricing is done and we need to make sure that PBMs are really being what they truly are and that is a claims processor and they need to be transparent not only to all their providers but most importantly to the plan sponsors the people who've hired them and making sure that these plan sponsors understand what's going on and with that I think we also need to continue to look at rebates that's going to be a harder discussion um, but I really think that rebates is something that we need to have a, a true acknowledgement of what, what incentives are the PBMs pulling or playing manufacturers in a pay-to-play system, how those rebate dollars are being used, and are the plan sponsors actually getting any benefit out of that? Is any of that getting down to the patient? Um, and that's going to be harder when we talk about some of the taxpayer-funded uh, plans when it comes to rebates because that's a lot more complicated process. But those are some of the highlight topics in addition to many others that we continue, continue to want to look at for this bill for next year. And I think it's, it's, another, it's a good way of looking at phase two, and, but, you know, 
there's there's many other ways that we can continue to put the pressures on PBMs to get them to start being more accountable for their unfortunate how we want to look at it their role in healthcare and the modern aspect that that we have in the United States today. Well, that that's a big goal. Yes, um, and um, one of the things that um, never seems to come up but uh, has been a problem for almost the existence of the PBMs is uh, all of their conflict of interests. Mm. Um, they own their own providers, they've got mail order that they own, they own brick and mortar stores, they all have a specialty outlet and they're trying to force everybody into their specialty roles um, and not let community pharmacy um, participate. So. Um, those would be things that I would hope we could address in the future as well. I agree with you. The whole aspect of this abuse of specialty pharmacy has just got to stop, it, um, in, in addition to the steering that they're doing with their own companies. And, and from the price of all those specialty drugs, the, the rebates that are probably being gobbled up by the middleman mm-hmm. um, are huge. So. Right. Yeah, that rebate conversation is, is, it has to happen. And like Gar said, it's going to be a tough conversation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors at play, and we're going to have to do some real hard convincing uh, to get our point across, yep. but, but it's going to happen. It, my, my view is, is, is this. Two things have to happen. We have to force the PBMs to honor a fiduciary responsibility. Yep. They have to, we, we have to get them back to that. Um, the second thing is, we have to level the playing field. It's got to be fair. And like you were saying, the vertical integration of these corporations and conglomerates is it's just inconceivable that we have gotten to the place that we are today, that this has been allowed to happen. Um, the monopolies and the anti-competitive nature of, of this whole thing uh, is just just absolutely insane when you look at any, any other uh, business practice or profession out there. I mean, you just don't see it. And healthcare is just going down the tubes, uh, so to speak, if, if we don't correct that and, and right the ship. Yeah. Yeah, and it's important to um, make the point to our legislators for us to be able to care for the patients that we do care for in our communities. There has to be some reimbursement there. And um, it's easy to make a point and show that there's no way we can survive on on what we're getting. And um, they're able to cover up what they're paying their own providers. And, and all of these things need to be dealt with in transparency, which hopefully we have some groundwork there to, to work on. Right. And taking that a step further, Byron, what we have to make sure that we stress is not only are we not going to survive, but our patients... Right. are going to be hurt by that. When we start shutting down doors uh, to pharmacies in rural areas across the state, across the nation, but across the state, patients lose access to pharmacy services. And when we start creating these pharmacy deserts because of what the PBMs are doing, then that, I mean, it's a public health crisis. I mean, it really is. So we have patients losing access every day because of this. Um, there's just so many different factors at play to say why this needs to be corrected. It's mind-blowing that it hasn't been yet, that we haven't gotten the ears of the right people yet, but I think we're on the right path. I think we've really made strides this year. I think we're, we're uh, keyed up to make some, some big plays next year. I, I agree. I think uh, the grassroots effort and effort to um, 
educate the legislators. I mean, it's a very complex issue, and and if they won't give you an hour to sit with them and try and explain that, they don't really have a chance of understanding. So I appreciate your efforts in the legislative field and, and look forward to working with you and, and keeping the goals going forward. Well, Byron, I want to thank you as well as because there's been many times that, you know, I've put in a phone call and asked if you could be, be at, uh, you know, place A at this time. And you're like, absolutely. And so, you know, and you've been out talking with um, legislators outside of your own district, um, just trying to help encourage pharmacists in those other districts to get, to get loud and get out of their, behind their counter and start talking with their senators and representatives. So, I really want to thank you for all that, and if uh, we, we had, you know, even 20 more pharmacists acting as as an advocate as much as you are, it, it, it helps us so much, and I greatly appreciate it, because a lot of the successes we've had are because of, you know, pharmacists like yourself, so thank you. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. Um, it takes a lot of time, and, and a lot of pharmacists are the only one on the bench in their business, and... and uh, so pharmacy's been good to me for a number of years, um, and I want to see it as a good opportunity for young people in the future. And so um, my main goal right now is um, getting out there and, and making it better. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Byron. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the time and the comments. We really appreciate that. Uh, anybody else have a question or comment out there? Going once, going twice. Anybody, well, anybody. We've got two Don't deans in the room. Do we, do we have any of you who want to ask a question or make a comment? <laughs> there we go. All right. Oh, this is fun. The pressure goes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, Ben, you brought up a really interesting point that's really concerning for me. It's just access to pharmacy services across the state. Um, you know, the pharmacy desert is a really um, critical problem, and particularly in rural areas where other healthcare services are curtailed and sometimes the pharmacist is the closest or only pharmacist that someone can get to. Right. Um, or only healthcare provider. So in addition to um, inadequate reimbursement, another significant threat that I see is um, pill pack moving in. So I saw the first ad that I've seen on TV. Um, I know we already have mail order, but I feel like We've seen what Amazon has done to other industries. I don't think we can ignore this. Um, I guess I'm wondering where where is IPHA on this? What sorts of efforts are are being planned or being done? We're, well, we're definitely concerned. Um, for, first, before I go, that, Melissa, do you want to introduce yourself for the listeners? Sure. I'm Melissa Hogan. I'm the dean at Roosevelt University College of Pharmacy. Thank you. Um, and we we do take this whole movement of pill pack very seriously, and it's. Things that we've been monitoring and having discussions on a national level as well of what PillPack is going to look like. And if Amazon truly is going to dive in as they're starting to position themselves, um, there, there, there's a lot of thoughts that Amazon may pull back because they don't like things that are complicated and healthcare is extremely complicated. Um, especially whenever I think they start to factor in they may not get as much return as they're hoping that they would get out of this. Um, in addition, it's it's been interesting because not only PillPack, but Amazon has been taking a little bit of an uncoordinated approach. Some states are trying to file as just PillPack as a pharmacy, which they have in Illinois. Um, but like in Indiana, Amazon's went ahead and got a health license. 
So, but they haven't done that in every state. So it's, I, they, I still don't think they know exactly where they're wanting to go yet, but that doesn't mean that we just sit back. It's more of trying to figure out how can we be in a forward thinking mode of looking at the practice act, because that's probably where we're going to have to address this about examining how patient care should be delivered but not restricting in a way that it actually hurts some of the services that our own community pharmacies are providing. So, you know, we can say, well, you can't mail prescriptions or you can't put them in convenience packs because we have pharmacies that are doing that right now. I do. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's, it's done for those patient needs, and that's kind of the same way that PillPack's doing it. But I think the question we've got to challenge PillPack as trying to make sure that they're standing up to the professional standards that we hope all pharmacies are delivering, are they interacting with their patients? Are they providing coordinated care or are they just putting stuff in, in pouches and sending it off and not having a true interaction? Because that's even worse than what the PBMs do with mail order. And we don't need those type of services existing in our state. The citizens of Illinois deserve better health care than that. And so it's it's going to be of a challenge on a policy. And that's where I'm like, sorry, I don't have the perfect answer right now. But it's where we're as the state pharmacy associations um, have the discussions. I know we'll be having a little bit of discussion of this hopefully at the NCPA meeting here in a couple of weeks, just trying to see where we're at, where everybody's starting to see PillPack kind of start to position itself and seeing what we can do to address it. And another thing that we have to keep in mind, and this might be bringing awareness across the state, mainly to the citizens of, of Illinois, more so than pharmacists, because I think we understand this concept, but I don't think the citizens do. One issue we have that we've been seeing these, this legal battle right now is with consent. Um, there's been all sorts of rumors at this point, but stories nonetheless that can't be ignored that patients are getting sent pill pack or other mail order deliveries um, uh, packages without the patient's full knowledge of what's going on. I've had patients in my own pharmacy get a pill pack into their home with their medicines that they've never known fully that they were transferring to that pharmacy. And um, I, I know that there's a legal battle going on with how they're obtaining their information through SureScripts, which I'm sure we can't really get into any of those details, but uh, it, it's something we need to make sure that the residents and, and citizens of Illinois understand what the consent platform is for making sure they know what they're getting into ahead of time. So I I think that I think that's really concerning. It is, um, and I think the other the other aspect of this, besides making sure that patients get counseling, whether it's it's directly face to face or via phone, um, is that having a pharmacist in a pharmacy provides other services that we're not really accounting for, right? So um, a lot of times you go to the pharmacist and say, "Do I need to see a physician, or how can I treat this?" So even if we can ensure that patients are getting really good advice about their medications, even if it's mailed. If we lose those pharmacies, we're losing all of that other health care, all those other services. First line of defense. Right. I guess something else that you brought up, Ben, that I'd, I'd like to talk about is how can we get our patients to get behind these issues, right? So as pharmacists, many of us are aware of these concerns, some, some more than others. Um, but I think that if patients fully understood what was happening in the profession and what they were losing and what they were losing out on, we may not be having to fight as hard as we are, right? Um, pharmacists have, we all know, pharmacists have more training in medications than any other provider 
yet we're blocked from providing care for those related to those medications. Um, and it's it's illogical. And I can tell you that, you know, obviously my mother is keenly aware of pharmacy services because we talk about it. Um, but it, it's baffling why a pharmacist doesn't manage her medications for her chronic conditions, right? So she's consulting with me, but she doesn't have access to a pharmacist in her doctor's office or even extensive counseling at her pharmacy. Um, her insurance doesn't cover that. So that's, you know, it's illogical and it's something that if, if we were positioned better, that we could be providing better care and our patients would be better cared for. Absolutely. That well, even goes back to provider status. I mean, right. you know, and, and, and getting recognized for those services that we are already providing for free, right. Right. Um, which has a real cost behind it. So to continue doing all of those things that you've mentioned, we've got to have a change in the game. Right. And I think you bring up a great point about bringing the patient involved because, yes, we have relationships and partnerships politically with a lot of the chronic care and chronic disease organizations throughout the state. But we really need to look, you know, locally and ask our patients to help be additional advocates for ourselves because th they have an equal stake in this whole thing. If they lose the pharmacists that they trust in their community, in some areas, they may have to go to another county to get services. And for some people, uh, well, we have to be honest with the infrastructure in Illinois, it's not like they can just get on a bus. And even in the more urban areas, even if they can get on a bus, sometimes they can't afford to get on a bus. And so, you know, we, we don't want to be expanding the ever-growing pharmacy desert that we already have in Illinois and making it a lot worse because it's going to become quickly a very Sahara-like situation if we don't fix things right now. Agreed. So I will step down, but I want to thank both of you for all of your work and all the advocacy that you do. Thank you, thank you very Dean much. Thank you. Thank you for the questions and the comments. We appreciate that. We have another question coming oh, up. No. <laughs> Psych this out. Anybody else have a question or comment before we wrap things up? Yes, feel free. Yeah. Well, hello, my name is Mark Luer. I'm the dean at the SIU School of Pharmacy, new dean. Um, I do have a question, and it's kind of on the heels of what the successes have been with uh, the bill that the PBM bill that's mm -hmm. gone going through. Uh, with Senator Menard. Now he's also come through with another bill, yes. 667, dealing with insulin price caps, mm -hmm. uh, which would certainly be great from an access standpoint. But I also understand there might be some concerns in terms of how that legislation is written that it might not force the cost differences back to the PBMs, but they may actually fall on the pharmacists themselves. And so I was curious how, how you kind of access it. Right, and, that. and that's one thing with um, Senate Bill 667, and it's, it's a bill that seems like it's being positioned to be discussed during the upcoming veto session, which would be a very concentrated discussion for the bill. And, you know, IPHA, we're, we're, um, we're in support of the bill, but we do share some of the concerns that you're talking about because this bill very similarly passed in Colorado earlier this year and is in effect but we really haven't had enough time to see what's what that impact's gonna be on the provider. Yes, it's helping the patient right now with their out of, limiting their out-of-pocket expense, but I think if anything, this bill could be strengthened even more by making sure that the PBM has to front the entire cost of this 
this cost differential and um, and not allowing that to be p uh, pushed onto the plan sponsor or the or the in the pharmacy provider ultimately themselves because if the pharmacy provider is then going to be feed some way to support this effort it's not helping anybody it's just making the situation even worse we're just shifting the cost from the patient onto the pharmacy and so we're just we're shifting burdens and we don't need to be shifting burdens we need the pbms to start taking responsibility for their actions when it comes to the rebate manipulation that has increased the cost of diabetes medications for the last two decades uh, it's an, a really a timely topic right now we've actually been asked to participate potentially in uh, a um, news a press release or not a press conference mm -hmm. actually uh, with that Senator Menar and uh, Crow are coming together down in Collinsville mm -hmm. and next Friday actually and so I managed to talk to a certified diabetes educator that I know mm -hmm. pretty well who's a little involved with IPHA, <laughs> right, Dr. Kerr, um, and uh, released her from her duties to attend that. Um, but certainly, access to medications is, is very important. Um, kind of, I'm shifting gears a little bit. Advocacy is a big part of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. In a school, we're trying to get people, and you've got people in this room that have that have already been active participants through Legislative Day. But advocacy is beyond Legislative Day. Absolutely. So what would you say would be maybe the, a take-home message for schools to, uh, to engage their students in advocacy? I, I would challenge the schools to have regional legislative days. I mean, even if it's trying to invite the legislators to your schools and just allow the students to interact with them and realize that they're real people. Because I think that's, that's one thing that, in, in, that we, we kind of forget they're they're just trying to do a job too, and they don't understand healthcare. And as we all know, healthcare is very complicated. Pharmacy even more so at times. And I think just providing those opportunities for students to interact, so they're not as hesitant to talk to their senator or talk to the representative, and really kind of challenge the students to go back in their home districts and be those resources, because I mean, you know. I look at Ben, and I know that his senator and his rep call and text him all the time. Same thing with Byron. Same thing with myself and my own districts, you know, in the past. So it's just like we, we have to be those advocates, and it starts with teaching that in the schools. And I, and, I, and I greatly appreciate, you know, all of our schools. We're very fortunate in Illinois to have um, some, some great institutions that are supportive of the advocacy and protection of, of the profession. And getting the students involved, and uh, and I really appreciate your guys' efforts, and thank you very much. I really like the idea of the regional mm -hmm. legislative day. Ideas, we'll take them with us. Thanks. <laughs> no thank you very much. Uh, anybody else? We've got some great questions that have come up, some great content that have come from those questions. Can we keep that ball rolling? Anything? Any any bites out there? Okay. Well, I guess that's gonna do it. Garth, uh, what else do we have? Do we have any upcoming events you want to throw out there? Um, just uh, mark on your calendars now for September twenty fourth through the twenty seventh of twenty twenty, and join us for the uh, twenty twenty Illinois and Missouri Pharmacist Annual Conference in St. Louis at Hilton at the Ballpark. We will be um, joining our colleagues from the Missouri Pharmacy Association once again for our, our conference next year.
And don't forget, Ledge Day, April 22nd, 2020. Uh, mark your calendars now. It'll be a big one. We need all hands on deck for that one. So uh, please, please, please get your white coat uh, cleaned and ironed and ready, ready to go. <laughs> so uh, with that, I guess that's going to do it for this episode, right, Garth? Yep, I, I believe so, Ben. Thank All you. All right. Yeah, thank you, Garth. And thank you to our listeners and our sponsor, the Law Office of Joseph J. Bogdan, for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new shows as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the Internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as IL Pharmacist. That's plural, with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next episode as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate the, the audience. Well, and the, and the participation. Thank you. Each and every one of you.